I'm Libby. I'm back. Oh, yeah. I'm Becky. <laughs> Should we just oh, do it again? Real name? quick, real quick. <laughs> this is going to be the best book you ever read. Like, this is your new favorite book. I need to go be an introvert. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to Books in the City. I'm Kayla. I'm Libby. I'm Becky. I'm Emily. <laughs> wow, yay, yay. We did it. <laughs> We're at the tail end of a marathon recording session in person. Yay! I feel like usually at the end of a a recording session like this, we're like so hyper and like drunk. I was going to say drunk, but we just started drinking. But we just started drinking. And also this is like the most social interaction I feel like a lot of us have had in recent months. So we're like drained. I need to like not speak to anyone now for the next two days. Yeah. The (laughs) introverts in this room are tired. At least the two on this side of the room. I'm feeling tired. Yeah. It's been a long day. I'm just yeah. going to chug this white claw we got. We're having fun, though, and we hope that you have fun listening. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I blame Becky. I feel like we're like, this is going to be so boring. <laughs> we're you know tired. I, I fucking blame Becky's apartment for being so cozy. I just yeah, it, taken, the candles. Like, the whole, the, the lighting is cozy. There's, like, plants and candles and a lot of Books. pillows, and I want to like take a fucking nap. It's, like, setting right yeah. now. Yeah. The sun came out. It was, like, foggy earlier, and I just want to... I, I don't just want to take a quick 10 to <laughs> I don't know can how you read in nap? here. I, that's <laughs> do you fall asleep? I get sleepy. I do. But it's all right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so I just want to remind everybody about our merch. So our merch store is going to stay open and we're going to just add on some holiday stuff pretty soon. Um, it's that time of year. That time yes. of year. Holiday shopping. I so, cannot believe that, though. Yeah, I know. We're also, I just want to let you know that we are going to add koozies back just for a small quantity. So if you want to get a little stocking stuffer koozie. Oh, yeah. You know, we'll let you know when it's up. It's not yet. But go ahead and check out our other stuff that's up. Tarot cards. They're so soft. They are. So soft. And I don't think the like pictures that we take are going to capture how pretty the gilded edges are like there's just hints of like sparkle when you're not expecting it and it's just the kind of thing that you want to have you said you framed it right i framed some of mine i want to frame mine love it but also the mug so today was the first time i saw it in person and i freaked out it's so shiny and pretty and like i was like i don't want to drink out of it like i just want to have like sit like on my nightstand or something it's I so will cute say, yeah. i was so picky about the mugs because i'm picky about my mug choices and the handle is the right size <laughs> oh good for oh, your hand fit. to mm-hmm. wrap around and i will say i've never owned another mug like that like with something of that texture it's so cool and pretty yeah so Shiny. everyone buy two one to drink mm-hmm. out of and one to put your bookmarks like in. bookmarks cute your Makeup. books in the city pencils oh good idea yeah, yeah your bookmarks. books in the city pencils Oh my god, but the bookmarks is such a good idea. I'm freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. I think I we're probably not the no. only people that like you're probably hearing a lot of businesses saying, you know, put in your orders now for holiday stuff. But I've learned that people are concerned about shipping times. 
with the USPS and them not getting as much money as they're owed. And now that everyone is like basically from home, like people are not going to be going to stores and, you know, like our merch store is all virtual. So we're not going to be the only people being like, get your holiday shopping in now. But, you know, if you have like bookish family members and stuff, I think they'd like our little goodies. I don't know. Yeah. We're biased, obviously, but... Or right. for yourself. I buy or myself yourself. Christmas presents every year. Yeah, so, so we're going to, in the coming weeks, announce what our like holiday additions are. Oh God, it's not going to be a full drop. It's just going to be like a little add-on. So, But a good add-on. Yeah. Yeah, so if you want anything that's in the store right now, I would buy it now. Um. So here we are the day before just the most monumental election any of us have probably lived through uh mm-hmm. friendly reminder that tomorrow is election day if you haven't voted early if you haven't mailed your ballots in definitely go vote everyone yeah, yeah for sure and if you're voting in person make sure you wear a mask and don't give up i've been seeing we've been talking about it today um today as of recording is the first day for voting in new york and people have been waiting in line all day long just don't yeah. give up i know it's going to be stressful bring, bring a, a book, book. <laughs> <laughs> or an listen audio to us listen yeah, to us pause the podcast now and save it till tomorrow and yeah. then you can listen in line yeah. yeah we were talking about this before but i do want to underline like for the listeners don't let anyone tell you your vote doesn't count um especially if you live in like a kind of metropolitan area and you're like oh well electoral college wise that is so false because historically speaking younger people are not active in their elections and if we all turn out and show that like we're going to exercise our constitutional right that people literally fought for centuries over and chopped monarchs heads off for (laughs) like it's our civic duty to show up and show the politicians that we are a body of people who care about their future and they need to pay attention to our political power. Yeah, even if your area tends to sw- like just consistently be like Democrat, don't be like, oh, well, it doesn't matter because it's still going to be Democrat. Like those statistics that Emily's talking about are important. Yeah, and check. Yeah. I mean, we care about the presidents, but, um, you know, check your ballot because they'll put local electoral stuff on there. And it's important to have a say in your local community. I know, like, when I was voting from the suburbs, they had a lot of... Um, Justices? Uh, yeah, like normal or just... City council. City council type judge. stuff. Things about the school districts that really affect people's lives that aren't as big ticketed an item as who's going to be the president that obviously matters but all the small stuff also affects your life and it's kind of fun to be informed right it is a fun thing to take part in too and also look up in your state the rules about the selfie thing my roommates and i were just talking about this because they had no idea your ballot can be invalidated if you post a photo of it in certain states. Oh, yeah. Double so before track. you put in your Instagram story. Right. Maybe just don't. Take a selfie after. Yeah. You are not allowed to share a photo of how you voted, I think. Um, so if Meaning you're, like well, your, it's your a, vote itself. I think it depends on the state. But state by state. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I don't know if that counts for because sometimes people show themselves like putting in the mail. Either way, play it safe and just like take a picture of your I voted sticker or a thumbs up or whatever. Oh, man. I wish we would have thought ahead and made like a little books in the city voted sticker. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh. 
Well, we have plenty of stickers to go around. That's and true. Nothing says I voted like the book coven stickers that mm. we already have. You know that my yes. place never has stickers, like literally ever. It's really upsetting. Oh. Yeah. Maybe this year. Anyway, get out and vote. Okay, so I know we haven't talked about what we've been drinking in a while. And a couple weeks ago on my Instagram, I said that I was on the hunt for really good teas because I'm very particular about the type of tea that I enjoy. And we came across these Simpson and Vale teas, and they have this whole line of literary teas. And I just tried the Edgar Allan Poe tea that they have, and I'm fucking obsessed. It is so good. <laughs> it is. They're Maybe all, I shouldn't swear. And it's pink. <laughs> yeah, the pink. They're all the literary teas, though, are so cute. They're like, so cute. We, Me and good. Libby had the Jane Austen. And, like, the other thing that's really cute about it is the little, like, descriptions. Like, I'm going to read the Jane Austen oh, one yeah. right now. you'll feel like one of jane austen's heroines as you sip this delicate looking blend that houses surprising strength an undertone of vanilla is accentuated by warm lavender and a cooling mint and truly it was so good it was yeah because i like that they made these like black teas so the the poe one that i tried is essentially earl gray kind of i think because it's got like bergamot and it's a black tea but it had all these other like earthy tones to it and yeah yours was like smoky smelling mine yeah my smelled like a i mean it sounds weird but it smelled like an expensive man's candle (laughs) (laughs) tasted so good it it smelled like a fancy candle but looked like a beautiful like valentine's day present the jane austen description in the catalog was um cool too because it was like the lavender which looks beautiful in the glass and was featured in the jane austen estate like they pulled it from like what grows around her estate, which is so cute. Yeah. So they have a lot of like other literary teas. They also have dessert teas, which are like I'm so almond sugar cookie dessert yeah. tea, baklava black tea, and so many other. There's national park teas if you're an adventurer person. <laughs> <laughs> um, so many cute things. Yoga teas. They have coffee like little scones plenty of gifts even oh my god you can get the personalized teas right like yeah you just give details about yourself or give details about like your grandma or your aunt or your sister and they'll make a tea for it one of a kind tea that's so cute yeah and it's loose leaf too which is good because you can get like a stronger Mm -hmm. flavor off of it yeah so make sure you check them out the link is in our bio. Um, they Oh, I forgot to say that they were founded in 1929. You guys know I love the 20s. So <laughs> 1920s. On board for this brand. On board. Um, but yeah, check them out. The link is in our bio. And you can find, not our bio. It is in our bio. The link the is in the show notes. Yeah, okay. And you can also find information on our website. Yeah, Simpson and Vale. Good job, guys. Emily, do you have the fishbowl? I always have the fishbowl. The fishbowl and me are, are okay. One the same. You guys still haven't watched What About Bob? No, it's not no, dude. Happen. Where are we supposed to find it? <laughs> are you kidding? Just where do you find any movie? Like, get out of here. Okay, but if you watch What About Bob, you know that Bob carries brings his fish with him when he take he goes to find his therapist that went on vacation in a mason jar around his neck, and I just want to know. 
if that is the method of that travel poor fish. that wow. you're fish. Well, I said last episode that it is a baby bjorn for my <laughs> fish eye. <laughs> What's the plural? Fish eye? Fish Fish is already plural. Are you kidding? No, because what's a singular fish? A fish. fish. It's just like sh- like uh, a sheep. But fishes is a word. Fishes is a word. No. Yes. Yeah. Loaves it- and fishes from the Bible, Becky. No, <laughs> fish is plural already. <laughs> and no, you know that we read that cover to talk about a book we love. No, that's <laughs> a word, though. Fish is plural on its own. Come to us so in the you comments have and ask. <laughs> um, yes. And... Today's fish is named Brenna. Yay, Brenna. Great name. Um, She wants to know, uh, this is in all caps, favorite fictional villain? Is that a question? (laughs) All caps exclamation points. (laughs) (laughs) Question mark? And then quote, bad guy or girl. Okay, so so if it's not like a a villain. villain, Or it could be like a... In Summerholder and Vampire Diaries. Ooh, I didn't. He's not peep. the bad guy. <laughs> Damon? I, I no. only know we, the first season. Are we saying like books though or like. Oh, because that changes. Fictional. Yeah, she fish. didn't specify. Okay, so I know all my answers right now then. <sighs> I do? Think. Yeah. TV show. I think I've said it before. Klaus from the Vampire Diaries. He is the best villain ever. Oh my mm. God. I don't have a book. Good. The first that came to my mind was Snape. Okay. Mm. But no. recent read. Luke from Addie LaRue. Ooh. I loved him. So you say Luke? Was that, what did I say during that episode? Is it you Luke? said Luke, but oh, it's I, I don't think it's, I think it's like loose. I was saying like, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't matter. I don't know. In my he's head, a good that's villain. how I said it. Yeah, that, I think he's my favorite. Juliet, we're calling on you again. Um, it would, it, he's, it's a French name. So well, Lucien. Lucien, yeah. So it would be But Luke. then when she shortens Wouldn't it, it I'm Lucien? like. Lucien. Lucien. Juliet, let us know. <laughs> okay, I'm calling him Luke, and Luke. I, I, I feel like Luke Rue. fits like the bad boy vibe. He's a good, he's a good villain, yeah, yeah. and mm. a scary villain because he's like fucking with her head, but then he yeah. has his own like loneliness or whatever the fuck. Mm. Mm. I have to think. I think I've got one. Um, although I feel weird calling her a villain because I remember when we were talking to Catherine Adele West, she didn't like this mm. character being called a villain but i loved that because i feel like you never get bad girls like like genuinely morally bankrupt like women as characters um because i feel like the patriarchy tells women that they have to be like one idea of something and it's never like impure so i like women who fuck up and kathy from east of eden is that for me mm. i don't know villain is a strong word for her but she is not well-intentioned and i like that for her um from tv shows i like walter white i like that watching him villain. devolve into yes. a bad person yes that's Who what i was that? thinking breaking bad, breaking bad. bad. i never watched that <sighs> my it's TV? the most perfect TV oh, show. I've tried a few times and it's just you didn't like it no i mean it can be upsetting there are some upsetting things in that oh. show but I know it is. It's character driven. Oh wait, can I change my answer? <laughs> I think Tommy Shelby from Peaky Blinders might. Oh, Thomas Shelby, a good villain. <laughs> Thomas wow, Shelby. So, I always like the bad boy. <laughs> You're like, I love this question because these are my favorite. <laughs> yeah, people. yeah, I have a crush on. And also, person. bad boys are hot. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know what my answer is. I think I know my TV answer is Don Draper. Ooh. Oh, from Mad Men. As he's a, a villain. villain. Also, crush on him. Yeah. Oh, Jin's got some Where opinions about Don. Are you? <laughs> She's like, yep. I, I just heard this like ghost meow in my ear. He's a he's an antihero. Yeah. I don't know, villain. He's like more the bad guy than. But he's an antihero. I think all good villains, and that's also something I'm really into is villains that get a backstory. Yeah, I they have a humanity for this. Yeah. You know, like the Alphaba is more than just the Wicked Witch of the West kind of thing. But when you mentioned Catherine Adele West in Saving Ruby King, Lee, oh my God, Ginny agrees. Ginny. Who's your favorite villain? Ginny, you're the villain in this story. <laughs> what do you think? Talk. Now she's quiet. Ginbug. She doesn't like to be put on the spot. She has to think. What if she just came out with like pure English? Like, I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised. My favorite my villain pants. is <laughs> <laughs> big fan of the podcast, guys. Um, let's get back to this. Uh, I don't know where. Okay, we're I was just bo- gonna say uh, Lebanon from Saving Ruby King is a great example of a Ooh. villain who. I mean, I feel this way about Klaus too, and I guess Tommy Shelby. But like, you get so much background, and you almost feel bad for them. And then mm. it's so conflicting because this person is so evil and like ruining people's lives. But you're like empathizing. It's so, so interesting when like they have humanity behind them. I think for me, I'm going to say legend. Who's from that? Caraval. Oh. oh, you think he's a villain? Yeah. I haven't read How this. is he not a villain? I would just say he's like a bad boy. Yeah. No, no, no. Who's the, who's the hard the guy? Either. He's like, I like Jack, Jack and Park. Now I'm screaming. They're all hot. <laughs> what <laughs> is yeah. this conversation? But Legend's definitely a villain in no, the first book. Jack of Hearts is like more of a villain. This is kind of along the lines of the book I'm going to talk about today. Oh. <gasps> oh my God, I know mine. Oh fuck, what's his Who name? is it? <laughs> well, nobody's read this. Uh, oh, give me one second. Sorry. This is... This is uh, a good re- question, Brenna. Brenna, you're making us go off the rails because you're just stumping <laughs> us. Yeah. You know what I love though? How we'll be like. Kayla has ten. Like, because <laughs> I, I love the bad boys. Yeah. I'll have it like in my. I gave my answer, and then as you're talking, like, it's all coming up. Like, <laughs> they're all coming back yeah. to me. Yeah, I gotta look in my. my Even good when reads. we talked to Catherine, I like Loki. Yes, I feel like especially with big blockbusters. M- villains getting a redemption arc is such a big thing right now like mm. maleficent uh yeah. Carla deville's getting her own movie i don't although i don't like maleficent though i'm still like traumatized from childhood mm. Carla deville is the worst villain because she just kills puppies yeah it's insane i think i'm yeah. just also like scared of angelina jolie so it's just like okay well <laughs> ne- fear all wrapped in <laughs> it's one those cheekbones you can um, really she's like slice like a hand too beautiful i don't trust it like stay away <laughs> Um, okay, now I'm thinking about Disney villains. Do you guys have favorite Disney villains? Is the they get the, the best Gaston. songs? Gaston is my favorite, and I love that song. Libby and Becky are. Googling. I literally just phoned a friend about what this character's name is. <laughs> what is That's this? What How to be a millionaire? <laughs> yes. <laughs> or um, what is it? So you, I hope she's wait, gonna look the at the TV book. Show? I don't think you have it, Becky. How to be a millionaire? No, Jeopardy. I don't. I don't remember. Yeah. Do you want to be a millionaire? Do you want to be a millionaire? I, which obviously everyone does, right? <laughs> I don't know. At this point, I'll take a couple. I have more. (laughs) I'm like ready to go. (laughs) 
I'm looking at my Goodreads right now. I know I was doing that. I feel like I don't. I feel like I don't read a ton of books that have clear villains. Like I feel like fantasy series. Mm -hmm. There's like this is the villain. Mine's from fantasy. Okay, I feel like worst case scenario, you read so many historical fiction. (laughs) Like the villain, at least Hitler. Hitler, but uh, he's not. He's not my favorite villain. (laughs) I don't like that villain. Okay, that's true. (laughs) But I'm just trying to prompt (laughs) some thought here. Like oh I don't God. enjoy his <laughs> presence. Oh fuck yes! In my phone a friend history, I'm like shook by that a little. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I forgot the original question because <laughs> I feel like you're like I don't read any villains. But I had that initial thought too. But then I recently read Addy Larue, and there was like a clearer. Yeah, I'm sticking like with bad legend. guy in it. I'm sticking with legend. Wow, hot mm, take. Yeah, that is a hot take. It's not a hot take. In the in the first Carvel book, he is a villain. I'm still sort of like looking through my... I read it so long. Disagree. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, mine is... This is... I think one of our... At least one of our listeners has read this whole series. Um, so hopefully they will appreciate this villain. But I don't know if anyone else will. Uh, from the Broken Earth trilogy, the N.K. Jemisin book i talked about the fifth season on here and then i was like freaking out about the stone sky when i finished the series and it like put me into a reading rut for months um shafa a character from that trilogy um plays a prominent role as just like a straight up villain like pure evil in book one and then like plot twist book two and three he's very different and interesting and it like happens in a way that i don't know it was so it was so well done did everybody say theirs yeah yeah wait don and shafa (laughs) would we has everyone read gone girl yeah Yeah. oh do you feel like she's a villain yes yeah i like her a lot that's a cool that That is a very good villain yes the cool girl monologue sometimes i just watch that clip on youtube it's fucking i read that passage too they're like yeah it's really good really well done and i can't decide if it was because it feels like sort of the first that got really big mainstream attention yeah i don't know i love that character a lot rosalind pike (laughs) whatever her name amy 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 i don't even know what we're talking about anymore gone girl oh i've never seen it or read it oh my god you should read that i wish i didn't do you know the twist i would love the book no oh my god you should i just know that it has something to do with her drinking no, 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 no. That's Girl that's on the Train. Oh, Girl Don't on the Train. read anything about Gone Girl. Don't. And read the book. Okay. Because that... Tw- okay, mm. read it and don't read anything about the book, Becky. Okay. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Like, up. Let's move on. on. Should we talk about books? Uh, no, I was just going to say my... I think my favorite TV villain is Miranda Priestly. That's a movie, but oh. yes. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> movie ver- villain. That's From a what? very good one. Devil Wears Prada. Prada. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. What's oh, classic. Wow. That's, that's a good that's one. That's a good one. Okay, Wait. should we talk about books? <laughs> no. <Probably. laughs> Let's keep talking about villains. What you guys don't know is that we just paused for like a, a solid half hour to watch <laughs> TikTok videos <laughs> and YouTube videos and <laughs> cry Bathroom breaks and cheese breaks. Yeah. Lots um, of All right, back on track. Back on track. Yeah, Kayla, what did you read? Okay, I read The Book of Lost Names by Kristen Harmel. I've been seeing this everywhere. It came out in July of this year, but I meant to research this before we recorded. I think something happened where people couldn't get it for a bit. And then it was like back everywhere. Oh, maybe the printing. <laughs> if it I came out know. in July, sure. I think the printing was sidetracked by a little yes, pandemic. Yeah, I think it was like a COVID <laughs> thing. So if you can get it now, 
you need to get this book because I loved it so much. So it's a World War II book and Kristen, I think, has three total. Um, the one I've read is The Room on Rue Amelie, which I it would have been on my shelf forever and I picked it up like last year and I <laughs> How dare you sneeze in this room in this economy? <laughs> in a pandemic okay so she has a few other world war ii books and i've only read one of them though the room on rue amelie which is one of my favorite world war ii books i what is it called the room on rue amelie obviously oh, my rue. french is not this is why i always french. failed okay. french i have the worst pronunciation i was like what are you saying rue like street yeah right 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 rue. um amelie, like the movie the name <laughs> the got name. it yeah <laughs> got it I loved that book so much. I did not expect it to love it so much. I was like crying in the middle of the night when I finished it. So I was kind of worried to pick this one up because I had like just like hype of one of her other books in my head. Um, But I also love this one. So it's fine. So it opens up in 2005 and Eva is in her 80s and she works like kind of part time at a library and she's kind of like cleaning up and she spots this picture in the Times that stops her in her tracks. And the article is about this German librarian who is trying to return the millions of books that the Nazis stole to their original owners. Because, oh. as you know, they like plundered everything. Where is Eva? Eva is currently in Florida. Oh, okay. Which is like very like 80 year old living in Florida. It made sense to me. Um, <laughs> so in Snowbird. Tax yeah, benefits. Yeah. She's friends with my grandma. Thanks. Okay. So the photo attached to the article is the guy holding up this book from that was originally published in the 1700s. And what? in the article, it says there's this code inside and like no one can track it. Like no one knows who the book originally belonged to. And Eva like stops in her tracks because that's her book and she hasn't seen it in 60 years and she owned it well is she a vampire technically she didn't own it but it was like whatever you all get into it sorry yeah she's 80 she's 80 yeah but i was just thinking it's from the 1700s well no okay so we'll get to that so it's worth noting though that it starts in 2005 because it's exactly 60 years from when the nazis were defeated so it's been eva mentions like there's all these celebrations everywhere and it's kind of like a big thing in Berlin about that it's like the anniversary of the end of the war. So we're then transported back to Paris in the 40s when the Nazis are already occupying France and Eva is she's like 25. She's an English lit student. She loves books. I loved like the way that they spoke about books like it was so relatable like talking about how they're like magic and like transport you anywhere and how powerful they are. Um and she worked in a library until she couldn't anymore because she's Jewish. And that when the Nazis came in, like, they weren't allowed to have jobs. And she was a young woman. She was, like, she was 25, so she's, yeah. like, our age. Um, so she's on her way home one day when her friend Joseph stops her. And he's like, I'm going to read this out as I wrote in my notes in quotes. They're rounding up foreign-born Jews tonight, so you got a GTFO. <laughs> so, is that is word that what for was, word what oh my god said. i thought that's what she wrote in the novel i was like are you kidding it's a modern retelling he's like you got you just gotta like get the fuck out of here and she's concerned because her parents were born in poland but she was born in france so she goes home and she warns her family she's an only child and they're kind of like stop it like you're being like so dramatic 
that could never happen here. And I thought that was so interesting because I feel like in a lot of World War II books, it's like, go, go, go. But the way that they were like in disbelief that the Nazis were capable of what they were was, I'm sure, is exactly what happened. No one thought it would be like that. So I kind of like that was put in and it's something that continues on throughout the book with her mom. Like she refuses to believe that she's going to be prosecuted mm-hmm. for being Jewish. But that's unfortunately, uh, that reminds that's me of the plot against America that I talked about. But yeah. that was like a, um, you know, like a reimagining of history because that mm-hmm. was very much like we're a Jewish family and no one would ever eliminate yeah, us. Like that also never because happen. Jewish people had been dealing with literally centuries of anti-Semitism. Yeah. So I think to a certain extent there was this like well people have been anti-semitic our whole life or yeah for generations so for it to be acted upon was probably you know like i think with any regime change it's like a slow insidious infiltration yeah and like her mom keeps saying throughout the book like i came to france for a better life like what do you mean now all of a sudden like I can be arrested like I'm French um I just thought it was like interesting and I like that it was included because it made it a bit more realistic so her parents are obviously like knock it off like we'll be fine but her dad tells her that if anything happens to them to go to see his old boss so that night Eva and her mom are at the neighbors and Eva watches through the peephole as the Nazis arrest her father And they ask for Eva and her mom, and he's like, they're not home. So they're like, we'll be back for them. So in the morning, Eva does go to the old boss, and he, the dad, like, kind of set up with him, like, for him to make documents for Eva, but not for the mom. So he's like, I'm not making it. But he gives her all the material that she would need to forge the documents. For her mom? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that Eva was always, like, an artist and her dad would say to her like one day like you'll put this talent to use and she did in like a very big way oh my god so she does a great job because they're able to like get out of Paris and they go to this town I forgot the name of but it's near the Swiss border which I also thought was interesting because all the World War II books I've read about people being smuggled out of France it was into Spain over what it's something with a p the mount those mountains um but this one it's going to Switzerland so long story short Eva becomes a part of the resistance in this town and she forges documents for the hundreds of Jewish children that were being smuggled out of Switzerland with her partner Remy um who's this guy and obviously things happen with them (laughs) (laughs) so anyway I feel like I'm kind of saying a lot but this is literally like the bare surface all this is like on the back of the book she as she's forging these documents for the kids, she's like, I feel like I'm erasing who they are because they have fake names, mm, like yeah. Christian names. So she wants to keep a log of the ki- the children's real names and where her and Remy work. It's like in the library of a Catholic church. So oh, yeah. they pull this book off the shelves, which is oh, from the God. 1700s. That's the cool- and oh. Remy comes up with this like, <gasps> I honestly like I'm so bad at math I couldn't even comprehend the code as it was explained many times in the <laughs> book. Um, so I understand why no one could crack it. So she is the only one, or Remy wrote in it too, but she wrote not wrote but like coded everyone's name so that way at some point in the future those children could at mm. least like know who they really were because some of them are like four years old. It's oh like they would have very little memory. Um of their life before the Nazis invaded. So 
I loved Eva so much. I thought she was such a well-rounded heroine. She, there's conflict with her mom about like what she's doing and like she's working in a Catholic church all the time and like with her faith and everything. Um, I thought she was just like such a well-rounded person. And this I thought was so interesting too. There's kind of this misconception that forgers were male and that's how she was so undetected from the Nazis for so long because they never thought like a young girl was the one doing all of this. So I thought it was cool that like Kristen wrote a book about like a female forger and it was based on Eva wasn't real, but it was inspired by all the women who were forging and like working within the resistance. Um, And then the last thing is that like, I feel like World War II books can be kind of repetitive. Like we all know what happened, but I thought this was such an interesting take and i have read so many world war ii books the only two that have made me cry are this one and kristen's other book oh wow yeah do you did you run into the thing where well i don't know is it super alternating like when she's 80 and when she's young or it's just like all flashbacks so it it's mostly eva like during the war when it does go back it's like she goes to Berlin to get the book. Oh, wow. So there's very, I'd say maybe like five or six chapters interspersed where it's her, like, like her, she never told her son about her life. Like in France, he has no idea. So he's kind of like an asshole about it. Wait, Uh, you said that um, she goes to get the book in 2005 or? Yeah, in 2005. And then as Eva's story wraps up, then I'm pretty sure it ended when you're with Eva in the current time and like the ending, I can't even. Oh my <laughs> like, god, are you crying now? Are you oh. crying now? Like, oh my god, Her, I she just really she is getting it. glassy eyed. Yeah, it's because I'm allergic to Becky's cat. <laughs> <laughs> Real, <laughs> not just thinking about the book. Um, wow. That sounds really good though. Yeah, and I've been getting asked a lot recently on Bookstagram about World War Two books. So if you're in the market for one, definitely pick this one up. Check out the room on Rue Amelie. And I think the other one's like the winemaker's wife or something like that. And I'm going to now go and buy that one because obviously I love Kristen Harmel's books. And what was this? The Book of Lost Names by Kristen Harmel. And that's what she Eva calls the book. She calls it the Book of Lost Names. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, it was five stars. Yeah. Nice. I feel like if you make me cry, it's like, okay, we've hit like a deep emotional Do you point. Yeah. Like, <laughs> easily or I tear really. up a lot in like with anything. But if there's like a tear on my face, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> like, That's rare in books for you? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I not not for Libby. She showed <laughs> us on her Instagram like tear stained books. Oh, my God. Well. <laughs> but do you know what? it? OK, this is like a such sidebar. But when I cry, my eyes get very swollen for like the next two days. So oh. I've kind of forced myself oh. to like keep it like choked in. Very I feel like Irish you can't of you. tell yeah. that I cried like um, five minutes after I cried. You're so lucky. Two days. I will be in the middle of like a traumatic <laughs> event and I've literally stopped myself and said, I cannot cry because my eyes will be swollen shut tomorrow. It's wow. bad. Yeah. Wow. Maybe you just yeah. need to cry more. Yeah. Maybe they're like clogged. Oh, yeah. yeah. You <laughs> have like, dry eyes. Because you like suck it back <laughs> in. <laughs> anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Becky, what did you read? I read Where Dreams Descend by Janella Angeles. It came out in February of this year. Um, okay, so I really, really liked this book. It was kind of like marketed as like for fans of the Night Circus and Caraval. Which you love both, right? I both love of both, which yeah. you couldn't stand and you put down immediately. <laughs> what? 
It was sarcasm. She was you didn't hear it. <laughs> Lots of Carval talk on this episode. I know. Yeah, true. So I have to completely agree with the comparison. It definitely oh. gave me Caravel vibes. The the night circus vibes was only because there's kind of like a circus and like kind of unexplained magic. Um, so our, I'm just going to get into it. Our, the main girl is Kalia. So she's a ma- magician. And I almost said musician <laughs> which is funny because maybe she could be a musician magician <laughs> she isn't she's just a magician but when i was reading the book sometimes like i just read musician and like continue i don't know why my brain is weird anyway um <laughs> so she's a magician and she lives in this place uh called hellfire house Oh. Hellfire <laughs> House, <Stand laughs> <with me laughs> and you learn really quickly that she's like not there on her own will. Wait, is this like a real place, fantasy no, world? No, 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 it's fantasy. It's set in this time. It's set in I don't know what time. You know, fantasy. Ambiguous. Ambiguous. So okay. you learn pretty quickly that she's like not there on her own will, and so she's being taught by this the master the master of the house his name is jack and it seems kind of like they're in love like there's like talk about their intimacy not like sexual intimacy but just like intimacy in general wait but she's forced to be there so it's not like weird is it it's not like grooming stockholm syndrome yeah it well so she's not there for very long because I'll get to it, but so she, every, not every night, but most nights she performs at Hellfire House. Hellfire House is kind of like a club and like these drunken gamblers come and like she does these elaborate tricks and dances and no, no, it's like magic. magic. Yeah. I'm picturing like cabaret, but with magic. Kind of. Yeah. That's how I pictured it too. And she like comes down on this like chandelier (gasps) and it's like a whole, that's her like thing is that she comes down from in in onto the stage in this chandelier so she performs for these people and she like doesn't want to she knows that there's like more to her magic and more to performing that she has like inside of her that she wants more people to see she hears about this like magical competition in this town that's like on the other side of the dire woods which is like hellfire houses in in the middle of the dire woods um and the dire woods are like bad they're like dangerous so she's always wanted to go to this town glorian that's where it is she can see it from her like greenhouse where she like grows her plants and she's like, I want to go. I want to go. And Jack has always forbid her from go from leaving hellfire house. And there's some like sketchy stuff, which I'm not going to get into, but basically like, you're like, what is Jack's deal? And like, what is he doing? I'll say that his like magic is that he can alter memories. That's oh. like an important thing. Wait, yeah. so you don't know how they know each other or what the nature of their relationship is? Or He's her teacher, but like y- oh. you get the gist that like his father, Jack's father, like was the first master of Hellfire House and, and she came to Hellfire House during his kind of time. Mm. And then he died and Jack took over. Okay. And like, so you, you get the idea that something happened with the, the dad, but like, Either I missed it or it wasn't explained. It's just you get the idea that she's like kind of caged in there and like she doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily want to be there. So she escapes and she goes to Glorian because she's like, I'm going to be a part of this competition, whether Jack likes it or not. So the competition, it's called Spectacular and it takes place in three performances. So they have to like perform their magic. So there are judges and the winner gets to be a part of the conquering circus and 
so Kalia learns really quickly after arriving in Glorian before she auditions for the competition like female magicians like because she's super sheltered in Hellfire House like she doesn't really know anything about the world um, so she gets to Glorian and she starts to learn about it and she realizes like female magicians are rare they're unheard of people don't want to have anything to do with them and that's like performing magicians in this like world which is called Solitaire which kind of like solid Solitaire oh um it, that's at least how i read it solitaire i don't know how to pronounce it <laughs> you know fantasy worlds <laughs> <laughs> so like there's performance magic and then there's like i think it was called trade magic if not there's like a term for it but it, essentially it's like trade magic where like you use your magic to build a house or like clean a house mm. or make a dress stuff like that so that's kind of where female magicians are are used in in this world is like for that they're never performers but it seems like the peak of magic in this world is performing she like realizes that like women are not like thought of highly um damn even in the fantasy world they got the patriarchy yeah well Kalia is so awesome and cool and I don't even know what else to say about it but I loved this character she was fun um so she auditions for this competition she's so confident and she's just like oh yeah I'm a woman like what of it and she gets a spot in the competition. Yes. Spoiler alert. No, it's not. It's on the back <laughs> of the book or in <laughs> the inside cover. Um, so I want to go back to the part about how there are judges. So one of the judges, he's this like really young guy and he's a big deal. And everybody's like, oh, my God, he's judging a magic competition because he has not performed in a really long time because the last time he performed his something horrible happened to his assistant who's also his sister and he stopped performing and went into retirement immediately after this so it's a big deal that he is showing his face in public at all Mm -hmm. so okay well now i'm picturing american idol with magic um i mean it kind of has that vibe but in a fantasy world okay and like i don't know is this simon cowell no it's like the competition kind of has that vibe in the town, in like the like world. Like it's, all fun that and it games. T- it's like like everyone watches. It's like a big deal for Glorian that that speculator competition is happening in their town. Oh, okay, so like, it's more like Eurovision, I suppose. But like, I would not compare it to this because it's not. It's like <laughs> it's a fantasy it's world not and there's real. no singing. <laughs> Another thing about the magic, it's like you're either born with magic or you acquire it. So you can go to like magic school and learn how to be a magician. And a lot of those people do that so that you can be a (laughs) trade magician. But are those magicians like, I was thinking this the whole time. Are they like, look down upon? What's that decom with Allie and AJ with the magic one? Like, is it like, oh, I'm going to like pull a rabbit out of a hat, like be a magician? Or like, oh, I have like power. So pretending to wave a wand. The tricks, the tricks kind of sound like magicians at like a birthday party in a sense, but they're more elaborate than that. Okay. Like there's definitely real magic at play, but the tricks are like like illusion. Oh, it's like illusions, but there's real magic behind it. It's not like illusions that are like there's it can be explained. Okay. Okay. But the difference is, is like when these acquired magicians are performing, it's like almost like boring but then when Kalia gets on stage it's like what she made fire come out of nowhere like she's like amazing and that's because she's a born magician um but so she's in the competitions she's like heck yeah I'm here I'm gonna 
completely break free of Jack and his BS because I'm going to win this and then I'm going to join the Conquering Circus and everything's going to be great. The Conquering Circus is like the, what is that? It's It's kind of like the house circus for the area. It's like a traveling circus, but it's like the, it seems like it's like the epitome of like magic performance oh, okay. so it's like she would be hitting the big times i the guess pros. <laughs> she goes to hollywood she's going to the <laughs> nba <laughs> yeah so she's the competition starts and then horrible things start happening like magi- other magicians in the competition go missing oh. um i'm not gonna say other stuff but like tragedies uh, and that's all i'm gonna say oh wow what <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I loved it. It definitely gave me Caravel vibes in that it's a yeah, everything's a game. Oh, and okay. And you're like trying to figure oh. it out. There's like a kind of like the master who is like, is she in love with him? Is she not in love with him? Jack. Jack. It's like, is he in love with her? Like, well, why does she fall in love with that judge? Yeah, exactly. Well, with Kayla. he seems older. The so judge okay. is not older. He's like oh. a younger guy. Yeah. And there's romance. There's like some like YA fantasy hot and heavy scenes but without like <laughs> retractable claws oh my gosh <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was a dig in that's court of thorns and yeah roses. it was i l- really liked this book a lot because it was like my this is my brand of YA fantasy where it's like i'm fine with oh, it it's being, YA? yeah it's YA. Oh. it's like magical it's like another world it's there's no like you know cell phones or anything like that like but there's not like beasts <laughs> and like fights like there's not like creature battles and like i mean i don't mind there's no wing like stroking in the bedroom no nothing uh, like that like i don't it's not it's not fey i guess is what i'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> um i'm not trying to hate on it i'm just saying that's not what i No, well when you yeah. spoke about those books you're like that's not my vibe yeah, yeah it's not it's not super my vibe this was great it and like i really wish that i could go back and read caravel again for the first time oh, yeah. and i feel oh. like this was that for me it was like a new Ooh, version cool. of that, that like really f- oh, like was that. exciting i have two questions okay okay the first one related to caraval in caraval you can't believe anything because you're told everything's a game and i struggled with that is this book like that well i don't want to say too much but one of the things that they say in the book is like you can't trust the reflection in the mirror. Okay, so this book Whoa. will probably annoy me a bit. There's a big thing about mirrors. No, you know, you know what's going on. Okay, she so then that's fine. It? It's it's like Kalia. Like in Carball, things would it. happen, and it was like, but did that really? Okay, I'm. You loved Carval, right? Yeah, but like if you ask my sister, she said I was so annoying during it because I'd freak out, and I was like, you can't believe. I don't know how to like, answer Like, I take this. it too literally. <laughs> I don't like, know how to answer Okay, this. next Sometimes question. I feel like <laughs> you ever watch Spy Kids or, like, in a, when you're, Spy like, kids. in a vir- virtual reality? Where is the one oh, where Oh, Spy like, Kids 3? Yeah. Where they're, like, in oh, a virtual reality page, oh. and they have to, like, get to the end of the game. And you're, like, what it, What happens if this game is, like, part of okay, okay, the Okay, okay, okay. What I think, there the thing is, is there's the competition. But then there's more sinister stuff going on mm. i think this overall. sounds good okay i want to read this mm. next question very easy is it a series it is a duology oh fun. wow i like yeah. that too it doesn't go on forever it yeah. came out this february came out this february the next one what, what is, is this it? called comes out soon I or just recently did it's oh they're called, both out i don't know if the next one's out i don't think it is i think it comes out in like march maybe oh, okay, it's soonish but 
What is it called? Where it's dreams called descend. Where Dreams Descend mm. by Janella <laughs> I'm pointing Angeles. at it. I also thought it was interesting. She got her start writing fanfic. Oh, I oh, love wow. Just like Sarah J. Maas. <laughs> but um, fanfic of what? Just it doesn't general. say. It doesn't say. But I'm her sure you could find. There's probably she's done interviews, I bet, about it. Cool. Oh, actually, it says she got her start in writing through consuming glorious amounts of fan fiction at a young age. Cute. Oh. It doesn't say of what, but yeah. So, yeah. Um, it was, I gave it four stars. That sounds oh, good. Libby, what did you read? I'm nervous to talk about the book I'm talking about because it's one of those that I like loved so much, you know, and I feel like I get a little incoherent. Also, there are a lot of characters, so I'm going to do my best here. Yay. Um, so I read Cantoras by Carolina de Robertis. Um, it came out last September 2019. And it was so good. Like I finished it and I was like, this is all already on my list of like best books I've read this year I'm I loved it so much um I already mentioned that there were five characters and this is definitely going to be one where I'm like thinking about those characters for a really long time they're all like so complete and incredible and it was so good okay (laughs) let me just pull it together um (laughs) so also though I put this in my notes it this book felt like the perfect balance of character and plot so like this podcast i think there's something for everyone here (laughs) um but like i I don't know like there's there's a clear plot things are happening it's historical fiction um okay but also so much of it is like the characters and their growth and their backstories and their like love for each other and it's just a maybe a perfect book you know um I feel like I learned a lot and I like cried and was laughing and it's like lighthearted and heavy all at once. It's just like, yeah, it's so good. Whoa. Okay. So I'm trying to decide. So, okay. So the book centers on these five women. We meet them all early in the book. It's the early days of the military coup in Uruguay, like leading to the complete like dictatorship in that country. So it's 1977 at the beginning. Um, in general, I knew very little about this time period. So like just from a learning perspective, I feel like that was a really fascinating, like you learn a lot about Uruguay and how it like descended into a dictatorship, also kind of about like Paraguay and like other, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't realize like in South America, there were so many South American countries like becoming complete dictatorships like around the same time and like how the perspective of these characters like living through that time was really interesting um so I feel like I did learn a lot from this um but also kind of similar to your book like how a complete dictatorship can like kind of slowly but surely just like creep in and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden like here it's here and you can't go outside alone at night if you're a woman and like you'll be arrested if you have any affiliation to the communist party and stuff like that so in that sense reading it right now was kind of just an interesting similar to what you were talking about just how you know you always are like reflecting on these time periods and you're like it could never happen how could it but like you very clearly could happen and might this be. reminds me though of when i did against the loveless world where it was like 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no idea any of this happened in another place of the world. Right. I love that one, like, when you learn so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, but so back to the women, because that's, like, a huge, obviously, part of the story. So at the very beginning of the book, they're all traveling to this remote fishing town called Cabo Polonio. Um, And basically this plan to, like, take this trip to this fishing town was kind of formulated by two of the main five, uh, Romina and Flaca. So, and something else, all these women are lesbians and or queer. Some later start to, like, learn a little more terminology for sexuality and identify maybe as, like, bisexual rather than lesbians, but they're women who love women. And Romina and Flaca are the two who, like, kind of gathered everyone together and like planned this trip to the fishing town um they used to sort of date and then Romina got in trouble by the government and had to like be smuggled away because she had affiliations with the communist party um when she was in school so the dictatorship are they communists no okay yeah so communism is like the opposite of the government. Yes. Uh, uh, communism a- is what is taking over in the book? Mm-hmm. No. no. That's what I was confused about. Okay. Oh, I see. I see. Well, the government what of the pl- did. Like, yeah, the, I was thinking like the, the right government, state. you're a communist. Right. Yeah. Even though you're right. might not be. McCarthyism. Yeah. I see. Should I look up really quick what that dictatorship Probably. was? Yeah, because I feel like I'm I confused. It reminds me very much of um, what I learned about El Salvador at this time. Like, the government in charge was very much just, like, it didn't really have, like, a party affiliation, how we think about it. But they were Mm -hmm. just in charge. And if you were against them, you were a socialist. And they persecuted socialists. Like, I feel like we're taught in American history, communists were bad. Mm -hmm. But these sound like innocent, nice people. So well, we're also well, I'm sure communists were also nice people. It's like a mess. We're taught our government's like identity, and our yeah. government sees communism as a threat. Yeah, and always has. So it was just the civic military dictatorship. So it was just the military took over and took political okay. prisoners. And so, like, talk of communism or socialism was like so, like anything other like than they what burned they, were. they burned books. Yeah, it was oh this whole like movement. Yeah, where the military coup led to this civic military so basically like if you were a citizen and you thought as a citizen you should have a voice in your country they were like they're like no i'm exactly. going to disappear democracy you. was like disappear yeah. you disappear yes and they did like yeah. that's a term yeah, yeah. what like, tons of yeah that's very popular in latin america is um the government would come to your house in the middle of the night so and you're never on record as being dead ramina's oh my God. brother was also involved in the communist party and was disappeared they didn't know where he was like until eight years later he was a political prisoner but they didn't like you had to file paperwork to visit and they didn't get access until you know eight years later and yeah so so Romina and Flaca used to date they sort of discovered together like they had this bout of intense friendship after they met at the communist party meeting in college and quickly realized like this is more than friendship um became lovers but then Romina had to be smuggled out and like you know couldn't give word of what was going on to Flaca. I have a question about um when they're smuggled out where do they go 
So in her case, she was taken to an aunt's house, I believe. Wait, inside just, the country, just outside of where? Yeah, they in were. a different. Okay. So they all live in Montevideo, which is the capital of Uruguay. And she lived with her aunt for, I don't remember, maybe a year. This is so much backstory. Like it's explained much more quickly in the book. But basically she comes back after it's deemed safe or, you know, that maybe the government's no longer looking for her. They've arrested her brother, though, or like taken him. Um, she returns home and realizes that Flocka and it, it was like a time of crazy fear for everyone. So like Flocka had tried to reach Romina during this time, obviously, and like called her parents. And there's so much like fear in everyone that like if you mentioned Romina to her parents, it was like, that's not our daughter. Like, oh, wow. Like just for safety, yeah. because everyone could be. Any neighbor could be like a spy waiting to turn you in or like if you have more than five people coming into your home, like you could be holding a meeting and they could get favor with the dictatorship if they report you. And like so it was that kind of like pervasive fear during this time. So Romina comes home. Flock has been like taking other lovers and she's like heartbroken and like, I can't believe you wouldn't wait for me, whatever. Anyway, so they've morphed now into like really close friends, but. It took a while, like, for Romina to forgive, whatever. So those two have gathered up. So um, Flocka is kind of like a player and has uh, is recently, like, dating this housewife. And so she brings her to Polonio. And then she has also come across this, like, really young 16-year-old girl named Paz who... Um, she just senses is like one of them and I did like air quotes because it's all very like you can't explicitly you know in this time so does their um lesbianism play into their like governmental persecution like because oh, they're yeah. lesbians they're branded communists or that's just because they're affiliating women with- at all are regarded suspiciously like a woman walking alone a woman having lunch alone oh. it's super patriarchal and like constantly all of these characters are confronted with like when they hit whatever age like okay and when will you get married and like you it's just that sort of like you're a daughter until you're a wife and like that's your and then you're a mother and then you die yeah so and yeah if, if they were ever caught they would like be heavily persecuted yes um Romina also brings one of her friends, Melina. So, sorry, I feel like I'm all over the place, these five characters, but that's the original five. And they go for this just, like, four-day weekend. They all tentatively are aware of everyone else's sexuality, but, like, not because nobody can explicitly say it. But they go to this Cabo Polonio and finally are able to, like, be a little free and just, like... It's, yeah, like this kind of safe haven in that four-day period. And it's sort of a turning point for all of them because um, on the last day, Paz has been visiting the general store and, like, learning kind of about the history of this town from the guy who runs it. And he's like, hey, I happen to know of this, basically it's like a shack, but that somebody in our family is looking to sell but we want to keep it in the family like if you all are interested and he's sort of a huge figure in the book just because he is one of the rare people who's like 
pretty aware, you know, they're pretending like they're cousins and friends, but like that wasn't really like women of this age mm. d- didn't travel together. Like it was suspicious just in and of itself. So he's uh, like an ally. Yeah. So if we were in Uruguay in 1977, we'd all be communists and thrown in jail because we're a group of four women. If one more woman joined, this is oh a no. this is a meeting and it's frowned upon by the government. Yeah. Yikes. So the weekend ends. It's beautiful, but they're like, God, now we're back to our hiding in Montevideo. Long story short, they pool resources and decide to buy this shack. And like even women owning property, like you couldn't have happened unless it was through this sort of roundabout way, like with um, the guy's name's Labo, they call him. Um, Yeah. So they're now owners of this place and owners of what place? This shack. shack. Okay. That, yeah, in Cabo Polonio. This is all like in the late 1970s. Um, the book kind of sweeps through all of um, the 1980s as well. So you follow each of these characters as they return to their lives in Montevideo, um, but also come back to Polonio to their house and like slowly build it into something that's like, you know, a, a home. And they're they're bringing like various friends and like lovers and all of these people. It just becomes like. Um, a safe haven for all of them but as they kind of are also diverging and going these separate ways I'm not going to get too much more into like that because the relationships between all of them and like the shifting dynamic is really interesting to read I thought um wait I have a quick question yeah do they like form a band or something because I did not like realize I didn't know what this book was about because Cantoris it's like singers right so that's coded language for lesbians because it's like women who make women sing is ah. where the title comes from. Yeah. Interesting. And they yeah. say like we're cantoras and they're like singers and they're like singers. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was over here thinking they were like formed a band. Like, and now they're <laughs> I know. Pop Donna and, and the Dynamos. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> they're, well, they're just living their truth. Superstars. <laughs> no. So yeah, that's what um, the title comes from. So it's really fascinating, too, because Romina is especially involved in politics. And so you keep that thread of like what's going on politically during this time while you're also like learning about all these breakups and like romps at Polonio and all of this. And eventually um, the country does revolt and gets a two party system and votes um, the military coup out and like it's like this very gradual like opening of possibilities for these women for everyone um but for these women as well uh and then polonio and i need to research this because this cabo polonio becomes this like refuge for bohemians and sort of becomes like a tourist trap and it's like queer history was made at cabo polonio and um, I want to find out if that was based in fact, because that's like pretty fascinating to me. But these women are like returning to their shack and they're like, what? Who are these tourists? Like this used to be this abandoned. There were just the fishermen and us. And like, that's mm-hmm. why we were safe. But now everyone feels safe. And it's kind of this cool um, like journey of that place. That kind of reminds me of like ball culture. You know, like in Pose, when they had this, like, safe space that they built for survival, 
and then it got like commercialized by Madonna and Vogue and all that. Oh yeah, I didn't watch Pose, yeah. but and it's <laughs> cool. Like, you know, you love Pose. <laughs> well, something else I didn't realize: Uruguay legalized gay marriage before the United States. Wow. They were the second country in America to do it. In America, I, I think it was the Americas. The Americas, yeah. Who was the first? Wait, did I fuck that up? I think it was Canada. Oh okay. No. Sorry, they were the third. Amer- United States was the fourth, but I think it was Canada, Argentina, Uruguay, oh, and then the United States. Wow. Which was, yeah, pretty fascinating. And so, like, there's all of this, um, because the very end of the book, you're flashing forward to 2013. And um, there's, like, this reflection of, like, imagine it, if we could go back and tell mm. each other that like we could be get married now or like hold hands in public Aww. now and like it's this i don't know it's it's something i feel like especially living in new york something that i take for granted like the ability to just like live as you are loving you know like people like lost their lives for that fight yeah. and it's something yeah. i shouldn't ever like forget and i don't know you like there's it's kind of like of a double-edged thing where like it's great that it's we don't even think about it Right. But you but then need like, to remember like in like in recent history, you know, like Stonewall was Yeah, I was just gonna say Stone not even was 50 like fifty years ago. Yeah. yeah. Or was it fifty? I think it was just it was just fifty. Just fifty, yeah. yeah. And like Stonewall is mentioned in this um book too. So it's, it's even if we can just remember when gay marriage was legalized, like remember that day. Yeah. Yeah, it was twenty twelve. <laughs> it was not like it, it was, was not a long time ago. Yeah, that's what you're saying. saying. Like, no, yeah. that's what's crazy. Yeah. Like, I can tell my kids, oh, I remember right. when that was. And so imagine, like, being, you know, in your middle age. Like, I don't know. It was just. That is a pretty poignant observation, though, that, like, people were fighting for this sense of, I just want things to be normal. And then it's, like, also reckoning with the fact that there was a fight you know within your lifetime kind of what we mentioned right. about like voting too yeah like we take whatever we can do that right but it wasn't Everyone always that way yeah 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 um yeah it was just such an incredible book all of the characters are like i'm like completely obsessed with how the author like really seamlessly i feel like it's hard when you have like two main characters sometimes to like distinguish those voices that like she was flipping between five characters everyone was so like you immediately know like there were parts of dialogue where it's just like nobody you know it doesn't like attribute the quotes and you're like oh that was flaca that yeah it's so well done and like how seamlessly she shifts between like backstories and like you get so much information about all of these characters and they're all like so beautiful and like so one of them is especially like tragic and there's kind of like foreshadowing with that that I'm not it's you have to read it but um it was just like it's one of my favorite books of 2020 and it was so good and I it just learned so much and it had everything you could want with like the themes of friendship and romance and like um liberation and freedom and like found family and I loved it so much. So needless to say, five stars. Five stars, yeah. And what was this? Um, it's Cantoras by Carolina de Robertis. And she has four other books. Not oh. Maybe not four, but at least two other books. And I like really am obsessed with this author now and want to read everything she's ever written. Um, and I don't know. This like only has 
I mean only, but it has 2,000 Goodreads ratings. And I'm like, why doesn't it have like 10,000? It's so good. And I just... Mm. You know what's funny? I I almost got this from the... I was debating between buying this book and getting it from the library right before the shutdown. And so I put in a request from my library and it didn't come by the time the library was shut down (laughs) for seven months. So I forgot about it. So did those requests come in now that they opened or are they just restarting? Restarting. Oh. Yeah. So if you really remember, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe maybe it's time I put my hold in. Kentaurus. Kentaurus. I was like crying. Oh my God. It was so good. Cool, cool, cool. Anyway, Emily, um, what did you read? So I read The Likeness by Tana French, which I mentioned a couple episodes ago because I read In the Woods, which is the first in her series of the Dublin Murder Squad. And then this is the second in that series. And last time I said, you know, you don't have to read them in order. But I will say reading In the Woods first really helped because there are things that are alluded to from In the Woods in this novel that I feel like if you had read In the Woods first it would inform like the backstory of our main character um because you have the context for like what went down so basically the likeness picks up chronologically I think like six months after in the woods and so in the woods there was one detective detective Ryan this is his partner Cassie Maddox and she since in the woods has transferred transferred out of the murder squad she's working domestic violence unit and then her boyfriend sam who was also working on the case and in the woods calls her up and is like you need to come see this and the thing you need to know about cassie is before joining the murder squad she had spent a lot of time undercover in uh like deep undercover and that was like what she was good at she joined the murder squad because her undercover assignment went wrong someone stabbed her so (laughs) spoiler (laughs) alert is that in the first book no it's not even in the first book it was just like she was like i joined the squad because this went down while he was on undercover um cassie's pretty young and they say like to get on the murder squad you have to be impressive and so they were trying to figure out what was impressive about her and she's very good at being undercover so her boyfriend is she because she got stabbed (laughs) well they the undercover aspect of this book is really what makes it so fun compared to in the woods um, I keep wanting to say Into the Woods. I keep thinking that. Which is the musical. musical. <laughs> and then in the back of my head, it's always Into the Woods, Into the Woods. You know, like the <laughs> obnoxious song. Um, anyways, back to the likeness. Sam calls her up and is like, Cassie, we we need you to come see this. And she's brought out to the Irish countryside, which is my preferred setting for a ton of French novel. Um, in one of these like famine cottages, which I guess are fairly rampant in Ireland. From the potato famine? Yeah, they're just like these old. They make a comment about how foreign tourists are always like, oh, my God, so cute and pretty. And they're always like from these young countries like Australia and America because they're old buildings, old shacks, really. And they're they're all over the countryside and foreigners are really enamored with them. Um, But so they Cassie rolls up to this place and she also when she gets to the scene of the crime, she finds her old boss, Frank, who was her operator, her handler, really, as an undercover agent. And she was like, what's up, Frank? (laughs) And he was like, um, we might want you your opinion on this case so when she rolls up to the scene of the crime 
she discovers that the body of the murdered victim looks exactly like her. And what? this girl is called Lexi Madison. And it's even more crazy for Cassie because Lexi Madison was the fake ID that she developed as an undercover operator. So I have to oh. read this. <laughs> oh my God. So there's this flashback to her and Frank crafting this identity of Lexi going to Trinity College in Dublin and the relationships she made and all this. And this person, this person who looks exactly like her, who is now dead, took on that identity Wait, so that's actually, that's not the girl's actual name? Um, maybe you have to read and find oh out. God. I'm going to read this. Oh my God. But that's what freaks her out is she was like, this is a total mind fuck. It's an identity that we made up. It's like targeted for her. And this girl was living out the identity. She was going to a training college. So was murdered like they were trying to murder Cassie? Well, that's part of what they're trying to figure some, out. What they're trying to figure out. Frank is on the case because he got pulled into it because of the identity. The identity was flagged. So when Cassie rolls up, they were like, we thought you were dead and we thought that you had been undercover or something. And her boyfriend's there and he was like, I thought you had died. They thought that girl was her. She looks just like her. Yeah. Cassie, the detective, they look exactly the same. So Frank pulls her aside and is like, are they related? Libby is clutching her pearls. Ah! (laughs) Um... (laughs) Well, you have to find that out, but that's one of the first questions oh Frank asked her because before she sees DNA. the body, they were like, do you have any relatives? And she was like, what the fuck are you talking sister? about? <laughs> yeah. And so she like sees. Do they do DNA tests? Okay. They, d- this is 2008 and you're right. Why don't they DNA test this woman? Um, Wait, they, they don't? They didn't? <laughs> they don't go into <laughs> DNA testing evidence Yeah, but details. you guys got to remember, not everyone's DNA is in like a police. Ser- like, yeah, that's true. My DNA is not but a police But just test the bodies with Cassie. Yeah, because right? we know a lot about Billy Jensen and we pay attention to this. Unless they upload DNA into CODIS, there's no reason why your DNA should be there. But that's wha- just to find out if they're twins. <laughs> no? They're not twins, yeah, they obviously, because Cassie's like, I don't have a twin. Um, as far as she knows, she could have a half sister. <laughs> I'll right. tell you right now. Spoiler alert: they're not related. Um, <laughs> which is even more fucked up. Like, think of all your doppelgangers walking around out there. And it reminded me of how in Irish mythology, there's that idea of the changeling. <gasps> yeah. And I was like, I wonder if that's what inspired Wait, her what to is write that? this. It's it's like very tied to fairy folklore about if you had an infant that had died suddenly, oh, yes, yes, yes. the fairies had took it and replaced yeah. it in the middle of the night with a baby that was died dead or something you know so um even that's something i like about tana french's writing is even in 2008 there is a lot of like superstition around fairy like in irish mythology fairies are not to be fucked with you get on their good side they will ruin your life like that kind of thing um anyway so cassie is obviously taken aback she was like that's me dead on the floor, but it's not me dead on the floor. And her operator is like, so here's a crazy thing. What if we use this unique opportunity to solve this murder and we hide the fact that Lexi Madison is dead and you go deep undercover, you like reinvigorate your and you try and fit you inhabit her life for a month. And you try and figure out who killed her. Whoa. So. Like who sees her and is like, what the heck? I killed you. Why are you alive? <laughs> You're back. This doesn't make sense. Who so shocked that is her? what happened. So Lexi died of a stab wound. And so. And Frank, she was stabbed. <laughs> yeah. So Frank was like. they know who like, stabbed her? 
well, the first time around? Did she? I'm assuming she no. saw it and then she was so stabbed they, in the back. So the problem is she was she died in this little cottage. No one could figure out it's an isolated area. They had no suspects, no motive or anything. And also this girl was using a fake identity. So her whole yeah, history so was like clean. Person? Except for she had been living. She's a Trinity literary PhD student. And she had been living with five other PhD students in this. I picture it as a beautiful decaying georgian house like um and here i think is where the comparisons to the secret history come into play because once the all the setup is really interesting and you're kind of like seems a bit incredulous but i buy into it but once cassie goes undercover with this group of students it is very fucking interesting they are you know literary phd students they're very they're dark academics you know like they live in this. Do you want to say that again? <laughs> did I burp? Okay. Uh, yeah. Totally. You I don't know. Did you? I didn't hear it. I don't think it's burp. I think it's just what a burp. Yawn. Okay. So all these people that Lexi had lived with are 20 something literary PhD students. And similar to the cast of characters that I talked about in The Secret History, they are almost like a, they're a very close knit group of friends. At Trinity College, they don't have other groups of friends, really. And they all live in this same house that this one guy, Daniel, had inherited. Um, So it's like an estate manor in the Irish countryside. And they all get up and eat breakfast together. They all make these elaborate dinners. They have no internet, no cell phones, no Wi-Fi. They cook dinner together. They drink wine. They play, like, fucking poker and other, like, weird card games. (laughs) And they're just like very like poker. poker. So weird. <laughs> There's like a different the card game that they that? played, and I was like, "Who in their right mind is playing this in 2008?" Um, Gin rummy, something Ooh. like that. Yeah, and they're just very like old souls, and it feels like they're hiding something. Um, and so they have a very close rapport with each other, almost like they're finishing each other's thoughts and sentences. So that was also really intriguing to read because as an undercover agent, you're supposed to, they had some clips of Lexi like filming their house and their friend group and everything. And so from that, she was supposed to infer Lexi's habits. But part of the tension in the book is, will she get outed by this group Mm -hmm. of friends? Because imagine going into a close-knit group of people where you have all these in-jokes and you're they're like cohabitating they're like finishing each other's thoughts and your job as an agent is to not get called out yeah and they already had assumed she was like dead they knew they thought she was dead i think they that group knew she was injured and missing um okay and then it's like and so they She'd had like assumed she would have died. So they're surprised to see her. They're surprised to see her. And the it's up to the detectives and to Cassie to figure out if that surprise is like, holy shit, you recovered from this horrible injury. Or if someone was hoping she would not return. Wow. So. This sounds so good. Really I know we good. touched on this, but if I just jumped into this one. You have enough context clues to like. Or would I have a better experience if I went back and read the first? The first one is very slow and the pacing on this is slow. But I think, again, like similar to The Secret History, I think the comparison is really strong there. It's less about the plot. But with this one, there was more not twist, but character twist. Like it was exciting to read about like the tension that you feel every time that Cassie says something wrong. They'll be like, Mm. They'll be like, we didn't know you 
ate onions, Lexi, and she was but like, like, what if, uh, like they they are suspects. Uh, that's part of her job is to. This I mean, everyone's a suspect. Everyone's yeah. a suspect, but who reported? Who found Lexi? Um, some guy like hiking on the countryside. So, so how did they even know she was injured? That that group. So because they keep such close tabs on her, they explain. I mean, you can read the book, but basically <laughs> Lexi goes on like nightly walks and she didn't come back from her nightly walk. Mm. And they were like, what the fuck? They went looking for her and they um, oh, okay. and then they were contacted. OK, so. Damn. So, yeah, there's I think the tension on this is really interesting about her being undercover once you and I was surprised how like it's an incredulous concept, but like. I was surprised how easily I bought into it. And also, I will say, it's a why done it with like 200 pages left. And once I got to the point where you know who's responsible, I was like, what the fuck? And I love reading books like that. It's not so much who did it, but why they do it. You know, like. Mm, interesting. That's yeah. That like is history interesting. Too. Yeah. Because you said. I, I think, think that's read way more like interesting that. because um, the more you learn about these people, they're, they're little codependent 20 something friendship mm, is so it. at the beginning of the book you're like it's so fostering and you're you're you want to be a part of that but by the end of the book I was like it's not healthy to mm. be so attached to someone else that when they're outside of the house for 20 minutes you're like why didn't they come back why didn't they talk to that kind mm, of thing so interesting yeah and on top of that the complexity of like assuming that identity of someone who's like really entrenched it's like if i was to go impersonate lisa kudrow in friends would i execute it like say we were twins would i be able to execute phoebe buffet if i went into friends and just pretended to be her like say we were identical oh, this is scary that's like a right? black mirror episode interesting um watching friends choice. with you like yeah <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh. so yeah i think you don't you don't have to read in the woods. You would enjoy the likeness more. But I think if you're not, you could enjoy the likeness as a standalone thing. Does it become like, sorry, this is my last question. Like she's in danger uh, once they figure out like who's responsible and then it's sort of like race against I her. I don't know. You have to okay. see. Because you, you said it was see. slow. So I'm like trying to figure out because it seems very it intense probably, and it fast. Sounds, it sounds like maybe the the like action and the plot is probably slow but like you're learning different yeah. things about the character i think there is tension it's like a slow burn until things catch fire and then the mm. last hundred pages are like oh my god okay i love that so remind us what this one's called the likeness by tana french and it was sounds definitely a five star i, I think it's one of my favorite murder mysteries ever. I'm, I'm literally about Damn. to text my grandma and see if she's read this because i know she likes tana french yeah, maybe. Um, my roommate, when I picked up the In the Woods, she was like, I love the likeness. You have to read that. And almost everyone on the internet was like, have you read the likeness? Have you read it? So well, plenty, it seems wild. Plenty of people on Bookstagram are reading just this and mm. they're really enjoying okay, it. So, so. Awesome. yeah. Um, Becky, what are you reading next? I'm going to read The Ladies of the Secret Circus by <gasps> Constance Sayers. Hey, I'm going to do it. I know it, it doesn't come out for a while. And I usually like to wait till closer to pub day. But I just can't. I have to read it. Yeah, and I'm sticking with the circus theme. It was like mm. made for you, I feel like. I think book. so. Yeah. I also, think. after the Instagram live, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Constance made yeah. direct yeah. eye contact <laughs> and went, this is for you, Becky. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then like w the way she was talking about it being like 
part of a, a witch a in time universe and right. how like her other books coming up are gonna be like the same kind i was like and i got like Hades Town vibes from it oh yeah oh i'm so excited um libby what's up next for you <laughs> um i'm gonna read Daisy Jones and the Six by Ooh, Taylor Jenkins. Read now <laughs> because I'm sitting by it, and Becky said I could borrow it, and I'm going to be very careful because it's signed. But I feel like we've talked about this book on the podcast. I feel like we reference it, assuming that everyone knows what it is and right. has read it. And I have yeah. yeah, this is one. This references. is one I was like wanting to wait too because it was so hyped, and I don't do always do well with. It's a very unique book in the moment. Sure. I'm really books. curious to see what you think. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Kayla, <laughs> <laughs> what are you reading? <laughs> um, next for me is Z by Teresa and Fowler. It's about oh Zelda Fitzgerald. And one of our listeners, and I'm so sorry, but it's lost in my DMs. So I lost your message. Messaged me months ago that I needed to read this because I said I love learning about badass women in history. Um, and then just this week, Show Me Reads, who is, I feel like, a friend of the podcast, posted that she loved this one i commented that it's up soon for me and she's like you'll love it so now i'm like Yay. i gotta read it i've been seeing this book for a while it's been out for a while right yeah it's pretty old and fun fact it's actually by the author of a good neighborhood which i covered like oh. forever ago oh. Teresa Ann Fowler? yeah and oh. she when i read the author's note of that she had said like i only wrote historical fiction and that book was like a turn for her so i was looking at it, i'm like this name sounds so familiar <laughs> like oh, interesting did. I was like, that'll wow. be cool to read yeah, to kind so of compare yeah. yeah yeah i'm excited emily uh i want to read memorial by brian washington i want to read that so well yeah it just came out with the paper bag on the cover plastic bag i mean yes um where can we be found on the internet i'm at the lazy library <laughs> I'm at Becky in the bookshelves. I'm at sleep, run, read, repeat. I'm at K Red What? And you can find all of us at Books in the City Pod. Make sure you're using our hashtag, My Books in the City. Is anyone sick of this? <laughs> Sounds like you are. <laughs> it's just like a memorized spiel by now. Make sure you're using our hashtag, My Books in the City, whenever you're posting in our merch, which we have a ton of cute stuff up on our website. Or if you're reading a book that we inspired you to read, we really love when you guys do that. And that's how we chose the buddy read. So keep doing that. Maybe that'll give us info for the next buddy read. Um, make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, following on Spotify, wherever you're listening. You can go to Stitcher and search us there and leave us a nice review because it makes us so happy. You can follow us on Twitter at BTC Pod, like our Facebook page, Books in the City Podcast. Send us snail mail and save the USPS. Becky, what's the address? 201 Allen Street, number 10033, New York, New York, 10002. And if that was a lot and you did not write it down or get a pen fast enough, um, you can just go to booksinthecitypod.com and hit the contact us button where you can find all of that info. And if you've made it this far, go to the episode post on our instagram and comment who your favorite villain is we think it would be funny if there's just a bunch of random villain names and people who didn't listen have no idea what it is so it'll be a little Make inside joke between us yeah and thank you to our carrie level producers diane worth riley harrell carrie kissinger kat martin brenna collins amanda borgia elizabeth jamka and Susie southwick Yay. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Oh my God. Bye. Go Bye. Bye. We love you. Bye.